I think I must have begun my story at that moment. Around four o'clock in the afternoon of 10th September 1943, when, while I was distributing leaflets with Paola, Ettore, and Lisetta at the corner of Via Cernaia and Corso Galileo Ferraris, with incredulous eyes, I saw a string of German automobiles pass by. At first, during Badoglio's 40 days, I truly did not take it seriously. Excitement, a continuous celebration, yes. From the first moment on the morning of 26th July, when I heard the news on the radio in Mayanna, gradually, confusedly, first in Czechoslovakian, then in Greek, I reacted with almost hysterical laughter. Then the precipitous return to Turin and the house filled with people, and all the friends who could see each other freely at last, and those who day after day returned from confino, from exile, from prison. Rosse and Ginsberg, Venturi and Foa. The excitement of the first semi-clandestine press. A whirlwind in which it was wonderful to feel myself drawn. A joy that seemed just compensation for so many years of isolation. I plunged into working with the friends I found around me, those with whom I had remained in touch or come into contact in the preceding years, and who to some extent espoused Piero's ideas without fully understanding them very well, without even trying to understand, with pure sentimental attachment and enthusiasm, full of faith. Today, when I think about it again, It seems impossible that despite my age and experience, I was able to be so much like a young girl in those days, so superficial and free, almost with a spirit of innocence, a state of mind being on vacation. I believe, however, that this was the state of mind of many among us. Perhaps the only serious thing was the feeling that, as on the most wonderful vacation, all this could not last and the waiting for something that would otherwise and more profoundly engage us. Therefore, that day, when I saw the German automobiles pass by, suddenly I had the feeling that the vacation was over. It was not that I was aware of the reality of the situation, not even partially. On the contrary, I continued to reason with my customary foolish subconscious optimism. Certainly the German automobiles were carrying some parliamentarians. The proposals would be rejected, and Turin would be protected. People crowded around us. One of my most poignant memories of that day was the anxiety of the passers-by, who, seeing us with the printed sheets in our hands, believed us to be well-informed about secret things and questioned us, hoping to know, to understand. They were pitiful in their isolation in their abandonment, left to themselves with neither material nor moral weapons, without direction, without one watchword. Yet, if a hand were extended to them, who knows how many of those who turned to us with such touching hope would have known how to forget their ineffective selves and become companions in the highest sense of the term. I wanted to hold out a hand to them, but I was neither better off nor better prepared than they. I continued to say stupid words of encouragement, watching the facade of the Camera del Lavoro. Only a few hours had passed since the morning's meeting. 
That joy, that enthusiasm of feeling truly close to one another in a crowd of many, that sense of fraternity acquired through common hope and common suffering. Was it possible that such strength had been an illusion? Yet every time I lowered my eyes again to the leaflets that I had in my hand, the printed words, resistance, desire for revolution, liberty, justice, appeared to me to be more and more futile, pitiful, and unreal.